I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and today I'm joined with Dr. Michael O'Neill, where we're going to be talking about the exponential trajectory from student to doctor on the OI show. Dr. Michael O'Neill, welcome to the show, young man. Appreciate you being here. Um, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, where you live, where you practice, um, and, uh, and where you went to school and when you graduated? Perfect. Thank you for having me, Mila. Um, the So I was born and raised in Iowa. I currently practice in Dakota Dune, South Dakota, which is uh, a little subset of South Dakota that really touches Iowa and Nebraska. I'm about two miles from both states. Uh, I graduated optometry school from the University of Houston in 2017. Uh, so that's putting me coming up on my fifth year of practice. Uh, right, out of, right out of Houston, I joined uh, the practice I'm still currently at. The, it's a practice I actually went to when I was a, a kid. So, and Dr. Steve Ferguson's the one that started it. Uh, and he brought me on right out of school. And ever since then, I've been uh, trying to figure it out. Well, Mike, listen, um, so you are now moving into a more senior role as you go from four and a half years this May, you're going to be practicing officially five years and you're going to have to answer all of those surveys a little different that the AOA sends you about all this stuff that tra- kind of defines those practitioners in their in their life cycle and where they are in their practice careers. But I, I wanted to bring you on here because of a conversation that we just had recently that I wanted you to share with the audience. And, you know, I, I think, Mike, you um, you graduated optometry school with some debt. I mean, was that, from your perspective, was that a concerning thing to you when you graduated? Uh, it was, and I think most of my uh, people I graduated with, and my friends, we most of us were coming out with some sort of debt. Mine wasn't huge, but it was six figures. Uh, so, you know, when you're coming out with a debt to you know income ratio of one to one, or some people way higher than that, it's overwhelming. You know, you're going to be putting a lot of money towards debt. I was pretty lucky. Right when I came out of optometry school, I got like mildly addicted to personal finance things. Um, so the one of a big mentor of mine, he is my cousin. He works in the Dave Ramsey company. So that kind of opened a door and that opened more doors. And I just decided I, uh, I knew there was a lot of ways to practice optometry, but there was also a lot of, uh, optometry has a large scope of, you know, how much money you can make, how much, and then that obviously can play a direct role on how quickly you can pay down debt. And then also just, build your natural wealth. Um, so it, it, I was lucky kind of right out of school. I decided, you know what? I, I didn't want to carry around my debt a long time. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to practice the way I, you know, that I, the way I wanted to practice, but also I, I had some good role models that I knew that there was a, you could, if you practice right and you enjoyed private practice, you had the ability to end up increasing your income quite a bit, which obviously leads to, uh, makes it a little easier to pay down debt and do other things. So Mike, I got I got to pause right here. So you're four and a half years graduated, and you're talking about building wealth. When did you start to even consider that mindset? Again, you're coming out of optometry school. You're starting to practice. When did you When did you start saying that term or that word? I want to build wealth. I I I mean, it was almost right out of optometry school, but not at all before. I graduated optometry school with almost no knowledge of personal finance or anything like that. Um, but there's so much, you know, wealth of knowledge out there. So I, I kind of joked around with a lot of my friends. It's like, if I'm not studying eyes, I was studying personal finance. Um, so it was like my two 
obsessions, especially in the first couple of years out of school. So it allowed me to, you know, just start making smart decisions. And then as, you know, my clinic grew and I was able to, you know, produce more income and, you know, see more patients, it allowed me to be a little bit more flexible. And then um, moving into things like real estate, paying down debt, making, uh, in my opinion, just smart decisions now when, you know, you're on the younger side of things, all of us, you know, put off a little bit of our twenties before we had a, our first real job. So we got to play catch up a little bit, but you know, my brother-in-law is an anesthesiologist. He didn't start practicing until even later in life. So we, we do have a, those four years that some other doctors don't. So I just, I don't know. I, I kind of took it right out of the bat. And sometimes I think I drive my wife crazy, but it's definitely gave me some flexibility already. So Mike, if my wife was hearing this podcast, she would immediately be jealous of you because of your cousin working for Dave Ramsey, who is yeah. one that she subscribes to and listens to quite a bit. And, and I know that had to be a little bit motivational having your cousin involved in that. But give, give the listeners, like, put yourself back in optometry school now. What's a piece of advice, one or two solid pieces of advice that you could tell those students that are really on the verge of now graduating optometry school. Some are in their third year, some are in their fourth year that are going to be graduating here soon. What are like two like real like solid tips that you could offer them kind of in that first year or two years to guide them on um, what, I what I would call successful debt management and also starting to think about, well, wait a second, I got to start thinking about long-term as well too. So a few of those real strategies. So one of the first ones is um, I would recommend one find find some podcast books that kind of stuff to learn. So every everybody's going to tell you you should have a plan. You know, personal finance is not complicated. It's just sometimes hard to do. Like if you're graduating optometry school, you are plenty intelligent to go out and make yourself a plan to pay down debt or build wealth or use your income intelligently. Um, but a lot of people just kind of putts around or the, you know, they feel like, well, I delayed gratification for so long. I need a brand new vehicle or a really expensive house or, you know, something that's going to maybe not be the best financial decision. So having a plan, which is, you know, kind of an easy answer, but it, it's a podcast or a book that you'd recommend. Uh, the, the best one I've found is called the white coat investor, which I think is ironic. It's actually more dedicated you know, it, it always says dedicated to like physicians and MDs and DOs, but I think it's directly correlated to us. It's not really even anything about medicine, but it's more, he'll say right on the podcast, directed towards people who, you know, make above average salaries. Um, and he, I always like how he, he, he says it specifically, essentially, he sees a lot of different types of doctors and the difference in incomes between specialties is not nearly as obvious as the difference in incomes in specialties. So he's talking about like, you know, similar types of doctors and some of them will make significantly more than others just by how they're practicing other, you know, private practice or specialty clinics. And I, uh, I always like that because if you, you know, you'll come out of optometry school and a lot of people will tell, I remember people talking to me about like the, uh, the upper limit of what they can make. And I was pretty lucky. I, I had people who I'd seen build practices and I knew they were doing a lot more than that. And they were practicing how they wanted uh, and that doesn't mean everybody has to go out and see 40 patients five days a week. Uh, but for those, for those docs who want to, I mean, I, I, when you look at those, go back to those surveys you said filled out, sometimes I'll look at them and be like, gosh, I think, I think our median and mean income could be a lot higher than it is in our specialties. 
That's interesting, Mike. Um, I've, I've always, so I've known, I've had the good fortune of knowing you even as a student at Houston. Um, I joke around with uh, you guys and refer to you guys sometimes as my, ch- as my children. Um, yep. So it's been really kind of interesting for me to see you guys transition from that student, then student doctor, student clinician to, to doctors, colleagues of mine. Um, it's, it's made me super proud just to see how everybody's paths are. We, we all have the same ticket. We all have the same license. We all have the same ability to do things, but how, how the paths have been so, so different. Like, is there anything that you can offer um, to somebody that's like, okay, so now imagine you're talking to me, I'm in a fourth year and you have one piece of information to give to me about, oh man, I can't wait to get that new house when I graduate and I get that first check or that, that, that expensive car or whatever. Is there a piece of advice that you could give to me to help me manage that debt load better when I graduate? It's a really good question. I got about five things in my head. The, the simple thing is, and this is things I've stole from other podcasts and learned is essentially the, the, the longer you can kind of live like a student or a resident, and it doesn't have to be forever, but if you can just delay it a little bit, that can add up to a lot of flexibility in life. And I mean, even just in the last couple of years, I've, I've been able to see like how I live my every single year. I've essentially loosened the purse, purse strings a little bit is how I word it. My wife would probably tell me I'm not enough, but <laughs> th- th- there is like, I don't really have a lot of things that we can't do. Like I actually drive a brand new vehicle now and we have a nice home, but we have the ability that we could do a lot more. I just don't, you know, I think being content at w- what you have, it, it gives you flexibility. Plus I, I just enjoy that, uh, putting money in and watching that money grow like real estate specifically, or just, you know, general 401ks and that kind of stuff. Understanding that stuff early is so powerful. And I didn't know it. I literally graduated up country school and I, I couldn't have told you what a 401k was, but now I kind of consider myself like a, I feel like I've almost got like a master's in that just from, uh, reading and listening and it's not all that information's out there. Mike, I'll, I'll tell you one of the coolest things about uh, listening to you is that, you know, there's, and, and I don't think that this is unique to the generation that's currently graduating. I think this is a kind of a timestamp and it always seems like more senior individuals in any profession will always view their younger counterparts at times as Oh, maybe they don't want to work as hard. Maybe they, they they don't want to put in the effort. They don't want to put in the work. And I, and I think you have proved that that is the exact opposite. Not only are you putting in the work in the office and the time that you spend in the office and the time that you care with patients, but you're also putting in the work in addition to that to make sure that you're securing yourself and not only paying off student debt or paying off student loan, but also providing a financially secure place for you through, again, hard work. And what I would even call too, Mike, and please correct me if I'm summarizing this incorrectly, but delayed gratification. You're willing to put in the work now and you're willing to treat yourself. Don't get me wrong, but you're willing to say, you know, I could have bought that car that I really wanted sooner than I did, but I know if I put it off for a year or two, I could get other things done that would set me up better for the future. Is that a correct way to kind of picture that or describe that? The I think delayed gratification is a perfect way to describe it. The uh, you can go back to the classic millionaire next door book that's been around for I think it's been out since before I was alive. But the I, I read it like once a year, and I it, it is just something. It's so simple. 
It's not complicated. It's easier than almost any class you took in optometry school. But if you read that and just go, wow, this isn't really that hard. It's just, you know, live on a little less than you make. And if you can make more, it's weird how that, you you know, that shovel gets bigger. You can dig a lot deeper. Mike, listen, I, um, I'm super excited. I'm glad, I'm glad we had you on the podcast. This was awesome. We'd love to have you back. I think you're just, um, your perspective in particular from an individual who is, you know, not even five years graduated and almost student loan debt free is just awesome. I think it's great for young practitioners to hear. I think it's great for students to hear. I think it's even great for senior docs to hear that are looking towards, um, you know, newer or younger clinicians to come into their practices to really kind of revive those practices because I think you have the gusto. I think you have the wind in your sails. And I also think you have um, the smarts to, to, to be part of, again, the next the next wave, the next evolution of our profession. And talking to you guys, I'm really, really excited to see now what's coming down the pipe with the next generation of optometrists. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. I like to listen to your guys' podcast and you get some uh, pretty big industry leaders. So I was definitely felt privileged when you asked me to join. Well, trust me, Mike, you've, you've earned your spot here. So thank you. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of the OI Show. <laughs>